I definitely prefer to try and make it as realistic as possible, especially once the part creation features came in. Yeah. Because you could make your skater and then you could just really limit your stats and then just try and go slow and try to get your kickflip back Smith down your uh, <laughs> down your create a park rail. Yeah. <laughs> that felt good. That makes sense. You're you're a classy understated fellow. <laughs> oh no, I, I was trying to I was trying to emulate Billy Marks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know who's also trying to emulate Billy Marks right now? Billy Marks. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> What is up, skaters? Welcome back to the best episode of Vent City we've ever recorded. I'm starting a new precedent and only getting better as we progress through time. Right into the cast, we've got fresh off a sesh at TIDIY, San Francisco's Ted Barrow. Then risking a swim through the streets of Brooklyn, we have the audio god, Adam Burns. And currently taking a hiatus from overtaking Gorilla Biscuits as the most influential band in hardcore, we have Kristen Ebling from Occupied Duwamish Territory, aka Seattle, <laughs> and recovering swiftly from quietly shuffling stolen gold foiled Pokemon. On decks under her bed is Monterey's Alex White. I'm Ted Schmitz, and everything is normal. This is Vent City. Let's do it. Is I correct on everything I just said? Yeah, but can you redo it just for fun? That was amazing. All right. Oh my God, I fucked it up with us. Yeah, I was like, was he gonna say it? And and we got cool. Holy shit! I didn't write a line for the reason we're here. Let's recover. Let's just, no, let's just record without Cole. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're going off and the Cole. Yeah, Cole, can you mute your mic, yeah. actually? Can you extinguish your Tichi torch? <laughs> Witnessing this chat from Vancouver, British Columbia. We have the most esteemed author in all of skating, Cole Nowicki. Wow. I will not listen to this episode. <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, great. Thank you so much for having me. Stoked, stoked to be here. Glad to take the mantle of most esteemed author. I will try to to carry this position with with honor. Oh, I'm sure. With with no better subject than uh, with a groundbreaking, literal uh, culture shifting product that you've given us and the source material is from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. We are going to talk about the video game and the book Write Down Circle you wrote. First off, some praise. It is an exceptional work. And I've read some pop culture books before about albums or other things, bands. And uh, this was a, a great feat of interweaving the history of the book, its cultural importance, and your personal narrative. So uh, I'm stoked to get into that. First, I'd like to start by asking you, obviously, you say it in the book, but guess what? We're going to do it here. What was your What was your life as a gamer? Were you a gamer first or a skater? I was definitely a gamer first. Um, oh Jesus! I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, we're talking, we're talking Battletoads, classic Mario's, the the whole the whole spiel, the whole nine. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater didn't come until '99, 
Uh, but by then I was already a veteran of button mashing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it stuck its claws in you. What makes you 15 years later revisit that? Were you that hooked on uh, Tony Hawk's NFT collection or why return to uh, the game of your youth to make your make your it's not a novel what is it it's just a book yeah a book out of it's it's a it's a i don't know it's like novella length i guess but i don't it's not that uh it's a collection of words bound um and what drew me to writing the book is i a few years ago i wrote an essay for my newsletter just about the sort of enduring cultural relevancy of tony hawk and then i got an idea to just pitch a book about the game and my publisher ECW Press was into that. So then I figured out what the I had to figure out what the hell I was going to write. So then I started diving into my own experiences with the game because it was very formative for me as a kid growing up. Um, it didn't technically get me into skating. That was my older brother James who did that. But I grew up in a small town in northern Alberta, up in Canada. So there's not a lot of skateboarding to be had. So uh, in the after the four months, a year of skating, I can get in. Um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater really sustained me for a lot of that um, and really introduced me to the world of skateboarding, even though it's through the pretty muddled lens of the video game. That's awesome. Before we do it, I actually am curious, like, we don't need to take too long, but was everybody a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater video game player? Ted, you're like maybe a little the bit oldest? before that generation, but like, yeah. Yeah, were you ripping the warehouse? Yeah, I absolutely was. I was like at my last year of college and I was spending so much time terrified of the future that I completely escaped into the world of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah. Did it seem corny or was it like kind of sick? Like where you're like, oh, I'm surprised that this game is actually legit. I was I was surprised that the game was this legit because I was what something I've been thinking about a lot is how how eager I was for mainstream approval as even as a skateboarder, you know, like growing up in a kind of unfriendly to skateboarding culture like Central Texas or just the decade of the 90s. I kept wanting the mainstream to get it right. And THPS seemed to kind of be the first legitimate take on skateboarding. That's crazy. A point I'll return to later. I think this video game is closer to skating than any movie has gotten. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Adam, you're younger than everyone here. This must have been before your time, no? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first time I played Tony Hawk Pro Skater was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 uh, on the N64 when I was like six or something at my friend's (laughs) house. But uh, my first one I actually owned was when I was 10. I was Underground 1 which I was really psyched at Cold out. That, that was your favorite also, because that's also my favorite Tony Hawk game. Fuck Eric Sparrow. But yeah, and that one, I always credit that game underground one for getting me into skating. Cause I played that a whole bunch. Um, I think it coincided with the year that me and my, me and my best friend, Sam, he had a skateboard and just randomly and we would play Tony Hawk games at his house and we were just like, shit, should we go take that outside and actually try it? Um, yeah. So I consider myself, uh, a Tony Hawk kid. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a charity, like Ronald McDonald's kids. Tony's kids. Exactly. (laughs) I'm a Tony Hawk kid. If you're six, did you like watch, I, I don't know about Tony Hawk's underground. I'm like, I'm OG. 
Uh, I'm one and two. So did you like watch the skate videos that came with it? Did you like understand that there was like a cultural component to? Yeah. Like, well, so when I was six was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Um, but when I was like 10, that's when I had Underground. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's when I it, it really just, I didn't really know much about it. Like, I, I think that's what pretty much in all aspects of skating, like that game made me curious. Like the game when you would beat uh, different parts of the game, I guess when you would get on a company, get sponsored by a company that would show you a video from each company that was in the game and you'd be like, oh, what's this? Here's the intro for, yeah, right. And here's a, a commercial for with, uh, for Element with Bam skating a mini ramp. Like, you know, who are these people? Here's flip <laughs> skateboards with like Ali Bulala and this weird kid talking and it's really strange. Like just, it was, I was very curious about it. And um, yeah, I mean, I had no idea what it was, but I was hooked on it. Like, I don't know instantly, but I was definitely like, okay, what is this? What is getting sponsored in skateboarding? Like, what does it mean to yeah. go to Tampa Am and be noticed by all these people and this everything? Like, you can make it like in the game. You make a what do you do? You, you make a, a sponsor me tape that includes you jumping over a helicopter, doing a mic twist in Hawaii, and um, you know, simple <laughs> shit that you do for your sponsor me tape. And, As one uh, does. Yeah, that was on my tape too. Yeah. So it was yeah. just stuff like that. I was like, what? you know it just made me really curious about the world of skateboarding kebs were you a gamer uh barely like i had the parents that they were just kind of older like my mom had me when she was like 42 so they were kind of like i didn't have like cool parents that like got me into cool things i don't know like they were like video games like you're not gonna get that um of course they bought my brother like a game away and yeah (laughs) how about gardening but i had luckily i had friends and they had cool parents and so yeah, I remember going to my friend Kimmy's house when Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 came out. And I remember, like, I literally can remember, like, sitting in the living room with, like, all of our friends. And, you know, she had the PlayStation and all that. And all of us were into, like, scootering at the time. Like, we all had, like, Razor scooters. And we were, like, ripping around those, you know. And kind of generally into, like, alternative things, sports. Or, like, we were listening to, like, Green Day and, like, whatever. And then, like, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out. And all of us were like, okay, we're asking for, like, skateboards for Christmas. Like, we're going to be skateboarders. Like that's what we're going to do. And I particularly remember seeing Alyssa Steamer and us like debating whether or not that was like a girl or not. <laughs> but yeah, she definitely like immediately like, cause I had sort of like rode a skateboard before, like kind of maybe had ollied before, like kind of messed around a little bit. Definitely didn't like go to the skate park yet or anything like that. But when I saw Alyssa, I was like, Oh shit, like girls actually can do this thing. And I know that's probably sounds super corny. Um, but that was legitimately my experience, but like, yeah, outside of playing one and maybe building a skate park and, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, that was like the end of my gaming because like, yeah, I didn't have it at my house and it was just at my friend's house and we'd play here or there. Yeah, yeah. Alex, you were already a fucking hardcore skater <laughs> uh, when this game came out. Did you did you get into it? Was it exciting? Was it... W- did you have a similar experience with Alyssa Steamer as we discussed on the last show? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm closer probably to Ted's age. So I was graduating high school when it came out too and i remember the big thing was we were like we were so punk rock we're like fuck man we're not actually skating let's stop this shit let's go out and skate like we'd we'd start getting sucked into it and like we'd waste our afternoons and then (laughs) and then like the most punk rock of us peter gunn would be like man he would like turn it off and unplug it and try to rip us outside but um (laughs) but yeah i also remember I thought it was cool that Ted brought up the mainstream approval because I remember people all of a sudden around me speaking the same language of kind of understanding what I was talking about or what I was, Oh, like Tony Hawk pro skater. That's what you guys are doing. Like that was like the common 
thread that kept us from like complete nerdery obscurity. <laughs> like, like, so I don't know, transitioning into college right around then I was like, Oh, like, like I was in because like in the next year in the dorm rooms, people were still playing THPS. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that was such a wild point in the book. I didn't realize they came out every year. Mm. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck, dude? Like, it's still, it's like the same thing. It was like, what are you doing? Trying hey, to had manuals. Yeah. I mean, whatever, but it's like, you know, <laughs> they just kept re-releasing basically the same thing over and over. I like couldn't believe how in whatever it is, 10 years, they put out like eight of them. That's capitalism, baby. You gotta, you got one cash cow. You gotta keep, keep making it over and over again. Yeah. When you were looking into it, was it just to coincide with like Christmas release or like, was that regular for a video game back then to have annual things? Cause like Warcraft had like four in my whole life. I think at that, I can't speak for the whole industry, but it definitely became more of a common practice, especially with like quote unquote sports or action sports titles that maybe aren't as complicated to make. Not that they aren't uh, hard to make, but, um, you know, as you can see from title to title, it's like adding in a couple new features, each different iteration of the game. So it's like you just keep cranking it out, polish the turret a little more, and uh, people will, will buy it up. I certainly did. You bought all of them? Uh, up to four. And then I went on a bit of a video game playing, or sorry, underground. And then I went on to a bit of a video game playing hiatus for a number of years. 15 years, is that correct? Yeah. Wow. Because you got the skate bug, right? It was partly that and also just burnt out because I just played so many video games, spent so many hours in my parents' basement just doing nothing but pressing buttons and completing challenges. And yeah. And then, uh, you know, fucking, I had switch flips going on, you know? I had to, <laughs> had, to, <laughs> had to take those to the streets. Were you sort of disappointed that skating was like a little more like a little less radical, like how, how much just kind of failure and falling and I don't know, just tedium is involved in skating compared to the arcade excitement of Tony Hawk when you were spending all winter playing it. Yeah. I mean, for many years I spent a lot of time in the garage, just setting up ramps. I would literally like off the counter, just like a piece of plywood off of a sawhorse onto a piece of like sheet metal. And I, that was my handrail. So it's just like hours of doing this and to no real satisfaction. And then you go and play THPS and you're like, damn, I just collected skate. I got two high scores. <laughs> and that was just in one run. Yeah. Were you were you a tasteful Tony Hawk's pro skater skater? Like I had some friends like you're going to see something pretty clear about my personality in a second. I had some friends that showed me the game. And when you could build your own skate park, they're like, hey, because this guy Ollie's so fucking high, I've made it like a 35 stair with the tallest extension rail you can. So like all he can really do is like backsmith down it. Like you can do front lip and it kind of equals out with the physics to be like emulating this simple stuff that we were seeing in skate videos where when I would play it. I was like, I'm going to do a 720 crossbone to fakie manual 360 flip back to nose manual reverb blunt saw. <laughs> uh, I definitely preferred to try and make it as realistic as possible, especially once the park creation features came in. Yeah. Because you could make your skater and then you could just really limit your stats and then just try and go slow and 
trying to get your kickflip back Smith down your uh, <laughs> down your Creative Park rail. Yeah, <laughs> that felt good. That makes sense. You're you're a classy, understated fellow. <laughs> oh no, I, I was trying to I was trying to emulate Billy Marks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know who's also trying to emulate Billy Marks right now? Billy Marks. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's funny. I was like that too. I would, uh, I guess towards the end, like right before EA skate came out, I found myself like trying to skate so realistically in that game. I always remember that Hollywood high was in American wasteland and I was like sick, a real staircase. And then like, you can literally ollie up to 16. Like you can just do a, a kickflip from the bottom of the 16 <laughs> over and I'm like, okay, well I'm not doing realistic tricks here. Yeah. No, that's, that's usually how I skate Hollywood. <laughs> Step up. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to go like chapter by chapter. There are some interesting points that I wanted to bring up in the book. And the first one was Tony Hawk by mainstreaming skating essentially destroyed the, the, the narrative that we sold ourselves on for the next decade, which was like skateboarders for freaks and outsiders and misunderstood or whatever. I basically... I, I had a, a very brief window in 1999 before Tony Hawk's Pro Skater that I was aware of skating. And it like, it was almost overnight that it went from the weird kids in my class, Mike Surgit, RIP, to the next year after the game came out, everybody just kind of understood. And I saw like Osiris patches or G bags or fucking skate shoes, like on basically every kid. Um, did you kind of, I don't know if it's like an, uh, a judgment call or, or whatever. But do you feel like as you, as you wrote this book, you saw, I don't know, those, those same things like lost or whatever, like the, the public narrative we've, we've told about ourselves is basically a lie. Like everyone who's come into Tony Ox pro skater has been from a pretty mainstream mold. Uh, but we still continue to call ourselves like freaks and outsiders. And when I started skating, it was like this and you weren't cool. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that that game really un undid that part of our collective consciousness. Um, but I, I don't know. How do you feel that, that the game did to ourselves at that point? Yeah, I think the game really helped skateboarding break through the popular consciousness in that way. I mean, there were also other things going on at the time, X Games, stuff like that. So skateboarding was getting mainstreamed pretty heavily. But I think the video game really helped bring it to a global audience. And yeah, you know, our self-mythologizing is a little hard to do when everyone is doing it because it's hard to be an outsider if everyone's doing it. But I think it definitely uh, kind of shattered that perception a little bit. To On the other end of that too, it's like, skateboarding is such a open practice you can you can still be a freak and an outsider and take to it and make it your thing so i don't know it's kind of the same question like can you sell out anymore no i don't think you can <laughs> um you post to instagram that's selling out essentially so i don't know i think yeah probably wreck that narrative a little bit if that narrative you know ever really held up to begin with yeah yeah I was just going to say, I remember like there was kids in like 2000 to like 2002, like around this Tony Hawk's pro skater era and kids that like went on to be like the kids that played football and like were like total jocks and didn't want anything to do with me. But there was like this brief period 
around like when I was in like sixth to seventh grade where like all these kids that were just like, you know, typical like jocks, nerds, like all of us skated. Like I have this distinct memory of all of us skating from like our uh, middle school all the way down the hill down to the skate park and like going and like eating Wendy's and like hanging out all day. There was like a summer where like all my friends skated, like there was like three girls that skated, you know, and then like all the jock guys, you know, and then it was by the time I was in like eighth grade, I want to say like 2002, 2003, that's when it like shrunk back down where like that initial kind of like wave of like skateboarding kind of went away, like that kind of boom, I feel like. And then it was like, you know, kids, there was either the kids that were going to the skate park every day and like learning how to nollie flip at that point. And then the kids that were like, fuck skateboarding, I quit. Like, I'm over it. I'm going to just play normal sports again. So I don't know. That was at least my experience. So I think that's kind of cool. So I sort of feel like I had the experience of sort of knowing that skateboarding was this boom. Cause like, I was like, Whoa, all these kids that like normally wouldn't talk to me at school. Now we're all skaters and we're skating all the time. And then by like, you know, by the time I was in like eighth or ninth grade, you were, you were a freak again. If you skated, like I did get made fun of at school. Maybe that's cause I was a girl that skated, but still like there wasn't any guys like in my grade that actually skated. It was like a few guys are older than me. A few guys are younger. And like, if you're a kid that went to the skate park, you were a skater, you were a freak. Like that was your thing. And then like, it wasn't just like uncool, but it was like, just like different, you know, like it was still like alternative, I guess, in a way, in a way that like now I like, don't know if it's alternative at all. Like maybe in some areas, but like, it seems pretty normal that kids skateboard yeah. and especially if girls skateboard, yeah. like that was something in- in- interesting you got at that I thought was, uh, you, you talk about how it, it was a big thing for the cast to have some nominal diversity between Alyssa Steamer and Kareem Campbell and and how the game kind of didn't quite keep up the pace as it continued to add to its cast but the culture kind of did get more diverse and I was I don't know what this is but I remember thinking like that's kind of a, a, a weird thing where I'm like what if what if the culture has done its job or its job but what if the culture is more diverse than the video game does that does the video game need to be this is like some Arizona right wing <laughs> shit but does the does the does the video game need to continue to diversify it if the culture is already leading the charge in which case it would be the video game kind of like catching up to it where the the point of representation i think is to compel some sense of um equality or equity and so it's like if if the culture is kind of already has the internal mechanisms to develop that diversity is, is its lack of diversity. It, I don't know, an issue or, or like a, a failure or, well, you know what, I, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I think so. I think definitely an oversight if the game and its roster don't reflect, you know, the, for lack of a better term, the user base of skateboarders, all the skateboarders out there. And I think that for such a cultural touchstone, touchpoint as Tony Oxford Skater to have, uh, you know, meaningful representation in it is important. Yep. It's not going to change a lot of people's mind or be effective on a lot of people who just don't want to change. But I think for the folks who do see it and are inspired by it, I think it is quite meaningful. But yeah, I think the game... The reboots of the game of one and two, that's the one where the roster has, I think it's at least 50% of the skaters are either people of color, women, or trans folk. And I think that is a very positive step. And I think that's because, as you're saying, I think the culture did its work. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
one, I don't think the cast should stay <laughs> for, for, with the failures that it had come out with. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, the game needs representation to to be the catalyst for this thing, but the, that thing is already happening. So, like, what is the the purpose of the cast? But yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are still, you know, I'm not saying do not diversify your video game cast. You should absolutely do that. That was my takeaway from that. <laughs> you lost me at Arizona right wing. Stop listening. Um, no, I was going to say, like, I feel like even with that point of the culture already moving past that, uh, I feel like that supposes that the original cast was even representative of where things were at. Cause I always just think about like, yeah. when I think about 90 skateboarding and obviously there's a difference between what was cool to skaters in the nineties and what's cool to like Tony Hawk in the nineties or what's cool or what's like on ESPN. But all I can think of is like, you know, menace and like Stevie Williams and obviously Kareem, but also like Keenan and like, you know, just so many and, and so many other skaters, different you know yeah. races. And, you know, obviously I think maybe in, in some ways that Alyssa's inclusion was more realistic to what was, what things were like, but I don't know. I'm like, was maybe like it was just represent representative of like what Tony Hawk was seeing. Sometimes I think about like, cause yeah, like did he even know what was going on in street skating or did he care? I don't know. I, I just think like from that for just having just Kareem Campbell was kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And 50% of the roster mm. in the first game are vert skaters. Also <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say that in like, there's like a chapter where you're talking about the representation and I thought that same thing, Adam, I was like, Okay, having Alyssa, like, outside of, and Alex, tell me your thoughts on this, but it's, like, outside of, like, Alyssa and, like, J.B. Reyes and stuff like that, like, what other, like, women street skaters or big women skaters, I mean, Carebeth, but, I mean, to have one woman out of, what was it, 10 characters? Like, yeah, like, that was pretty huge. But, like, so I feel like women were, like, almost overrepresented. Obviously, like, there has to be some representation, and then it was, like, um, Burt <laughs> skaters are definitely overrepresented, and then... Adam to your point like yeah there's definitely like underrepresentation and other you know people's you know racial background and things like that so yeah and I, I do think like it's something I think about with, like you were kind of talking about Kyle it doesn't have to be Kyle Ted <laughs> like you were talking about Ted <laughs> that is the nicest thing you've ever said to me <laughs> you guys but you're wearing glasses right now it's fucking me up uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah like does it have to be you know, represent representative of what's going on. And I guess it doesn't. And, but I think the fact that I think Tony Hawk talks about wanting the game to bring skateboarding to people and bring in, you know, start skate lives and have people get into it. I think it should in some way represent it at least better than it is already. Like, I think it has that duty, not even on some, Oh, it has to represent everything. It's gotta be diverse, but I think it is kind of glaringly not diverse, at least at original roster. Yeah. Yeah. I had a question for Cole about it. Yeah. So like, like I think a lot of people cite Tony Hawk Pro Skater as their origin story and yours is kind of interwoven into the book itself too. And I just want to like throw it out to the group and especially you, Cole, like does it matter how someone gets into skateboarding now? I don't think so. Cause I would imagine uh, I'm not, I'm no longer a youth, but I imagine there's a lot of kids who got into skateboarding via Instagram by just the algorithm feeding them a crew of cool looking skaters and that got them stoked to get into skating. So I don't know. I think there's just so many different ways, especially online, to get inspired. So yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know if that answers the question very well, but no, it's just an opinion. Like, does it matter to you guys how someone gets into skateboarding? And also then how does it inform your look of skateboarding moving forward? Yeah, I, I don't care how you get in. I care how you stay in. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I have a firm no kooks policy, but yeah, I mean, Price talked about this a little bit, but it's like, dude, a lot of fucking kids are getting into skating by searching YouTube. Like YouTube is is the second most popular search engine on the internet next to Google, both owned by Alphabet. But when they look to learn about skating, they put it into YouTube and what are they going to see? It's like people who do not do the type of skateboard output that I like to take in. But if you stay in it fucking long enough, Kristen's mentioned this, it's like you buy a revive board, but a couple years later, you're going to be probably into Joseph Campos or like fucking, you know, unity or d doesn't matter what you're going Turns to do a limo board real quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> revived a limo jump is huge yeah. <laughs> so that's fast with these kids man they grow up so quick they grow up the so john quick. hill generation maybe maybe the next tony hawk is a youtuber probably Oof. honestly um, I was just going to say, as far as like people getting into skating, I think it's just my bias growing up skating in like the year 2000 and not having access to going to like skateboarding programming. And then like, I remember seeing ads for like element camp and like begging my parents and like, you know, never having the chance to go to skate camp. And then now like being someone that like administered skate programming for youth and like creates these awesome experiences for young people. I can't help but have in the back of my mind sometimes when I know someone like got to go to Woodward, I'm just like, fuck you. <laughs> like, you had it made. You had the silver spoon. Spoon. Like, you know, like, I can't help but have like a, I don't know, old dude that like is refusing to wax things energy about kids that get to go to skate camp, which is hilarious because that's quite literally my profession. But um, I just I can't help. But, Your like, approaches yeah. always go faster. <laughs> First day at Skate Like a Girl Camp. Well, aren't you some lucky kids? <laughs> Honestly, but yeah, like just like not having like that resource, not having that access. I don't know. It's like it's hard for me to not, especially if it's like one of those super expensive camps. But, you know, I agree with you, Ted. It's how you stay in. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I thought one of the nice themes of Cole's book, if I'm identifying this correctly, is that, you know, you do a great job of sort of tracing the ascent and descent of the game franchise. But you also kind of underscore that, like the point we're making, which is that whatever gets you into skateboarding and gives you access to this like awesome culture or however you want to define it, activity or way of thinking about the world or a group of friends, that ends up, I mean, the, a video game can't possibly compete with that, you know? Like no one, no one, no one here quit skating to play Tony Hawk. We may have like put off skating to to play the video game. It, we <laughs> could have spent that time skateboarding, but no one was like, "Yeah, I used to skate, and then I, <laughs> then I played this video game, and now that's all I do." You know, <laughs> most of the time we're talking about skateboarding and not the game. So, I think I think that was a really nice thing to just kind of read about and hear you describe was just the way in which, like, by the time like skateboarding or the game was not as representative and inclusive as skateboarding kind of became, you know? So when it when one and two were re-released yeah. in what, 2020? Is that correct? Or when was that? 20? Yeah, 2020, yeah, 2021. Right. Yeah, they were, um, sure, it was like, it was, it, there was more diversity, that was great. Um, there, you know, but it's kind of like, 
the game was doing its best to catch up to skateboarding in 1999, 2000, and it's doing its best to catch up to skateboarding now. And skateboarding will continue, like, yeah, to wax the, the coping. <laughs> no, uh, sorry, let me, let me try to finish that thought and we can kind of edit it back. But skateboarding will continually evolve because it's sort of, its culture is in a lot of ways determined by young people who themselves are growing up and successions of different generations of young people who are defining what they like about skateboarding. And no, no disrespect to a study on a video game, but a video game can't possibly compete with that, which I think is a point you make. You know? Yeah, 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 I agree. The general thesis of the book is how this video game affected skateboarding and skateboarding culture. And th its main effect on skateboarding was just that it got, in my view, is, you know, there's no real hard statistical evidence. It's all anecdotal. Um, I am one of those anecdotes where it's like it just got a lot of people into skateboarding, which what is then affected change, in my view. Yeah. Yeah. And you could own, honestly even argue too that like, even if people didn't become skateboarders, they were like acquainted with it and had maybe more of a respect to it. And I think about like movements for like getting, you know, skateboarding spaces like sanctioned or, you know, sometimes I'll be in a meeting with someone that works at a city and I'm like, oh, I don't know if this person would be that down for skating. And I can sort of like get a vibe, you know, and like I can't help but think like things like, you know, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater helped normalize what skateboarding was and that it was like a valuable part of our culture and it wasn't just some like crazy dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's something well that you just mentioned about having no data. And one thing that I really liked about the book was that it's it's got like a bit of a biography through it. Like as you know, as you chart the game's life course, you know, you, you kind of mentioned where you were at in that time and like your own habits in skating. And so I thought it was it was really nice that this is an anecdotal book. It is not told through stats and data and like we don't even know how many fucking skaters there are. And that's good. Like, you know who wants that? Fucking the brands. Like, stats are only good for fucking losers with no imagination who have to present, like, to board meetings to be like, yo, this person should be on because, like, they're going to move this much and then these lines connect because, like, here's viewership and here's retention and here's engagement. And, like, but they don't actually have the primary motivation for them to put things out into the skate culture's consciousness is not what speaks to their heart. It's what produces these enumerations. And ultimately, it's for profit. Like, that's the only driver. And that is essentially the the thing that has poisoned everybody's life. Uh, so, uh, so it's great that there's no data, like no hard data. Like, you, you make the case for how powerful this book was. You ballpark you know, you can say how many units it sold. You don't know how many of those kids got into skating. Um, but it, it's clear that its effects were fucking massive. Um, and I think that was, uh, I just want to say nice work on that because I hate numbers. <laughs> oh, thank you. And like the, the only data available to your point is from large marketing firms who are more than likely just ballparking or making up figures to then sell to brands who then want to sell stuff back to us. So yeah, it is a, it's a vibes based book. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely here for it. Are, I, this is to everyone, I guess. The thing that I thought, I'm like, this game got a bunch of people into skating and then 
what I was thinking about is like now, you know, whatever, this game is not coming back at the same level that, well, actually it did. And then so like break some records when it came back. But the thing that I think is taking more skaters away, which I also don't care about, like whatever, you can turn your back on Christ, you're going to hell. Uh, but if you um, <laughs> turn your back on Christ air, Ted, <laughs> yeah. uh, and hell in this case is a doomed life where you don't skate. That's literally hell. Now, the thing that is taking so this video game got people into skating. I think the thing that takes people out of skating is like smoking weed and playing Call of Duty. Like that seems there to was be a kid, Fletcher Jordan. Shout out <laughs> Fletcher, the best skater in our crew. We were all ollieing the six stair and he was switch 180ing it. And he quit skating after that first year to play video games. Yeah. Wow. I have a similar story about the best skater in my crew. That's crazy. <laughs> quit to play video games. Yeah. He yeah. was like the best one. Versace plug was in your crew, Adam. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, he flew to Germany and he's, you know, stopped. Um, yeah. So I don't know what this, I just think obviously it gets all these people into skating, but like skate culture seems to have gotten smaller and, and more solidified. But also the failures of the consequent books also line up with the ages that those kids would be maturing at like i always think that there's cutoff points to get out of skating it's like mm, 16 yeah. 18 21 25 like those are really popular drop-off points because like cars and romantic partners is like that 16 mark mm -hmm. and then 18 is like college job fucking you know whatever you have to make a major life change at that point and then that 21 point is drinking college been working for a while like just kind of inertia and then 25 is usually like when you're having to start to prepare yourself to become a homeowner i would also um <laughs> suggest maybe uh puberty is also a time that people quit skating mm. oh i thought that would have been when you get in no well maybe that some people do but i i definitely have spoken to people who like for whatever reason either because like if they were if they were women, because how like adult men were looking at them all oh, of yeah. a sudden, like from going from being like a child with a toy to like a a potentially sexual being on the street. And also just like in my own sort of thing, like I kind of like I quit skating around puberty for whatever reason, too. So but but, I, but the point I'm trying to make is not just like is actually that in a weird way, maybe like having a video game when you're still a teenager and you're going through these changes and it's skate, you know, like a skate centric video game like Tony Hawk, like might keep those prepubescent to postpubescent teens involved so that it, that's why that wasn't on your list. I don't know. Yeah. I was just thinking like, yeah, I don't have the stats on that, but. uh, <laughs> Yeah, but that that's real. Like I remember being like 12, not having gone through puberty yet and like 12, yeah. 13. And then by the time I was like 15, guys started commenting on my body at the skate park saying weird shit to me saying, you know, just weird, like sexualized things. And I was like, wait, what? I thought we were all friends just at the skate park. All of a sudden I was like, not like the only way I kept skating was like by myself in my garage. And I like thought about quitting all the time for like what yeah. you were saying, Ted, like, mm. and if my parents were cool and had Tony Hawk's first skater, maybe I'd be good at video <laughs> games as an adult. Who knows? Yeah. I, I think Ted, you're actually kind of, that kind of like hits right on something I was thinking about while reading the book and potentially talking about was kind of the video games being extension of skateboarding, especially in those times. Cause personally, yeah, like 
like you're saying, Ted S, like college is a good time where people stop. And right as I went to college, I had ripped my ACL. I got more into art and music and stuff. And so I wasn't skating for like a whole year in my first year of college, but I was playing, you know, not Tony Hawk, but I was playing a whole bunch of EA skate in my dorm, like constantly. And just like, I was always still into skating, but I remember it feeling like I was skating when I played that game. And that game specifically being more of a skate sim, I think also helped fulfill some sort of need to land specific tricks and see myself quote unquote do certain things, you know? And I think for those moments that the video games can like hold you over, like keep your interest going, especially if like Cole, if you're in a place that gets really cold for a long time and it's hard to skate. Um, I think Alex also was saying like how when she would play the games, like there was a this feeling of, oh, we should actually be going outside to skate. We should, you know, we should, we should be wasting our time doing this. And which is like something I feel like I've, I've heard many times from people talking about video games and skating and th like not legitimizing the video games and their role in skateboarding. But I, I think and also what I like, Cole, what your book is doing, I think is helping showing that, yeah, it is like an extension of skating, I guess, for someone of my generation who came up deep within the Tony Hawk boom, you know, this is not just something we to do instead of skating. It's part of the skate world. Like there is videos, there's mags, and there's also a fucking video game that you can play where you can live out your personal fantasies. And with me, playing skate in those games which became more realistic it's even more possible to mold what you like in your styles and your, the things you're into and i think it for me i just think it uh it helps grow appreciation and it just in a whole yeah. different way that pretty much nothing else before can i mean it's not the same thing of course as watching a skate video or something like that but i think it can help you like develop a taste if, if once again this is also maybe more more about ea skate because yeah like we were talking about earlier thps is pretty unrealistic but even the fact that you're skating when you're not skating like i think that that makes your imagination expand in different ways you know totally i mean for yeah. a large part of my youth tony hawks pro skater was very much part of my routine of skateboarding like during the summers i'd wake up in the morning i'd watch uh good and evil billy marks i'd go to the skate park try to be billy marks <laughs> Um, and then I'd huge come home. White I'd, shoes. Yeah, huge white fallens. And then I'd come home and, you know, just play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater until it was time to go to bed. And then, you know, trying to switch Big Spin Heel Flip board slide, very small rails. Get any basketball um, shots? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get my ping pong on. Obsessed with beer pong in the, in the skate park simulator. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a huge it's just a huge table <laughs> here's a weird question that just occurred to me and i like and maybe you you have this data goal but um i wonder how many people played tony hawk's pro skater who actually didn't skate Ooh, yeah like you know like like some of those video game reviewers that you you quote throughout the game i wonder if, or throughout the book excuse me um i wonder how like i mean it was obviously is one of the most popular games in the history of humankind <laughs> Video games. And, uh, so it had to appeal to an, uh, a lay audience but i'm super curious as to like what just a non-skater gets out of that game because it's so i mean it introduces skateboarding and you learn about it yeah. but i like what, what are the stats on that yeah i mean there are there's like no hard stats on who's playing the game yeah. but there are sales stats right and this game sold millions and millions of copies and there is a very large and dedicated fan base of players who 
do not skate. They just enjoy playing the game. You know, it's like I, I was just in Croatia for the Vladimir Film Festival and I was skating. I got there a few days early and I was skating this DIY park they have there. And I met this local named Stefan and he was telling me he just started skating like that that year. And then we were talking about why I was there, which was to read for my book. And he told me that, yeah, like I have been playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater since it came out. He's like, I've had the soundtrack on my phone or my MP3 player, like since I started playing the game, since I could download MP3s. And then he's, he's like, I'll show you, I, I'll play it for you. And it's like, I believe you. Um, but it's like, <laughs> you're like, I don't need unsolicited Goldfinger <laughs> ever. But like he, he had such a connection to the game and didn't even skate until like 20 okay. some odd years later. That's yeah. cool. Um, and that's, again, it's just, it's just anecdotal, but there is, yeah, there's a whole demographic of people who just play the game because it's it's it is a fun game to play it is just an arcade game essentially yeah the soundtrack shit is is wild i've like also anecdotally heard on other podcasts that can be named true and on uh <laughs> where uh where people mention they're like yeah back in the day you had like fucking the radio or your cool older cousin or some people learned about music through tony ox pro skater and i was like holy shit why is some, this like you know, whatever, like left wing podcast referencing that as a touch point for how adolescents, millennial adolescents find music. It actually was pretty fucking big, like and, and skate videos in general. I'm like, I don't know this, but like not every 13 year old was listening to Built to Spill and is because of skate videos and like not every 12 year old was beyond Green Day to, into like fucking whatever lag wagon or I don't know, Goldfinger's not some like cut shit but it's like they are not on a radio like how the how do you find them if you're a 12 year old like it was were, were you were you a pop punk kid because of this game uh i think that contributed a little bit my older brother well he got into skating first so he introduced me to a lot i was a big big no effects kid um yeah yeah used to go to sleep listening to the decline which i'm sure was great for my mental health just 18 minutes <laughs> dude I, I had a shitty mp3 player like before like ipods come out and that was the only song i could fit on there but it rocked. you're like full album i know or... every word to that fucking song sorry mm -hmm, cole mm -hmm. don't let me interrupt no no um yeah it's uh again it's like it was the game and then skate videos i mean it's a pretty universal experience for skateboarders that the skate video will introduce you to music but yeah i think the video game had a big impact on people and there's even stories in the book where Jerry Lalonde from Primus talks about how people are recognizing the band from the video game and not from their actual canon of music yeah <laughs> yeah which yes. is which is interesting yeah I love this story I think it was like about Goldfinger but I can't remember exactly but the story that is in the book where it's like everyone just went nuts for the song that was in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. That's so sick. Yeah, Goldfinger was yeah, the, on the biggest pit of the night. Yeah. They were on tour with the Bloodhound gang. And yes, that's right. They, uh, apparently the, the Huge. Bloodhound gang didn't have uh, substantial pits that night. Goldfinger did though. <laughs> <laughs> Foxtrot uniform, Charlie Kilo wasn't hitting the same. That was an awesome reference. Dude, you brought something up and I think it was from like a fucking, maybe it was from an epically latered, but you mentioned that somebody found out 
like how to talk to the people at Tony Hawk when the second game came around. And that basically this is this is a microcosm for like why scabs are the worst and like why you can never break solidarity or else you're going to hell. It's this one fucking skater. Some pro found out like how to get in touch with Activision yeah. or Neversoft oh, yeah. and fucking went in there and was like, I will be in your game for free. For Dude, free. Who's this fucking scab? Let's I will kill you. Everyone has to guess. <laughs> yes, guess Chad Fernandez for sure, right? Oh. Andy Mack? Chet Thomas. Chet Thomas. Oh my god. <laughs> Chris Markovich. I thought that was some Chad Fernandez behavior. Oh man. I could believe that with Chad Fernandez. That's from uh, an article where I believe it's Andrew Reynolds who's recounting that the original cast, I believe, got $100,000 for being featured in the game. And then, yeah, someone, an unnamed skater, went in, said he'd do it for free. Josh Casper. Potentially Josh Casper. <laughs> and from then on out, skaters, I believe, has got $10,000, which is uh, quite, quite a cut. Literally. Like, fuck them all up. The, cumul the cumulative loss, like they could file class action against that guy. I imagine guy. T Tony Hawk 2, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Jamie Reyes. <laughs> <laughs> God, can you imagine if they did all make that money? Wanted to ask you, Cole, about your opinions about Tony before you started writing this book and then how they changed through this process, if they changed. My opinions about Tony Hawk? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I talk about a little bit in the book how... You know, as a kid, my first immediate impression of him is like, oh, wow, God among men. Look at this guy. He has his own video game. And then got into skateboarding or more acquainted with skateboarding through the video game, eventually connected with skateboarding culture. And then you're like, oh, maybe Tony Hawk isn't the coolest guy around. It's Billy Marks. Maybe it actually is Chad Muska. Billy Marks. <laughs> yeah, Billy Marks. It's Billy Marks. And then, you know, getting older, maturing and realizing that, you know, his... Uh, however many endorsement deals, et cetera, are more prudent business decisions than anything. Um, and that's kind of where I was with my view of him going in. And I think, if anything, just doing all the research that went into the book, I think there is substantial evidence <laughs> to suggest that he just really does care about skateboarding a lot and was really motivated to bring skateboarding to a much wider audience, which, of course, had the added plus of making him a lot of money. But I think he does genuinely care about skateboarding. So, yeah, if anything, I think my uh, my opinion of Tony has only gotten better. It wasn't bad before by any means. But yeah, he, he seems to care quite a lot. And I think I might have mentioned this elsewhere, but I just do want to make it clear that I believe he's the only person with a signature Subway sub and Chipotle burrito. I just want to get that out there. It's incredible. Pioneer. I was just going to say, like, I had a nightmare, maybe it was like a year ago, that like Tony Hawk had kind of like his like Lance Armstrong moment. Like we all found out he was like terrible and all of us were like, <laughs> it was like the queen had died or something. Like it was like <laughs> a holiday in Canada. Um, <laughs> it was uh, a very intense nightmare. And then I, it you know, it was one of those nightmares where you like, or dreams that you like wake up and you're, you don't realize it was a dream for a while. So you're like waking up with this feeling. And you're like, what is that feeling? And then you think like, oh fuck, that was a dream. So <laughs> God. just made me feel very grateful that Tony Hawk has not had like a Lance Armstrong-esque scandal. He's just, yeah. you know, a pretty normal guy. He wore a power bracelet to be able to spin. Uh, he was doping before the 900. <laughs> let's, let's conjecture if Tony Hawk were to have a Lance Armstrong moment, what would it be? It's got to be like Paradox Grip. Yeah, he's bulletproof. I mean, he's he's done his fair share of 
cringy things. And from what I could glean from till the wheels fall off, his like personal life is in shambles. And I don't know what he was addicted to that he had to like go into some sort of rehab, but I don't think he fully addressed it when he would blow towards the skate park for clout or continue to film his recovery and push himself after breaking his femur and then find out six months later that he was actually like doing more damage to his 50 year old broken femur. So I'm like, one of the things that I thought I loved this chapter, it might be the first chapter Cole, that where you're describing like leading up to the release of the game and the intensity of his like landing the 900 and the X games, you know, and obviously the game is already under production, but it just so happens that like a month later, he lands a 900 on TV, right? Is that correct? Am I, are my dates right? Yep. Yep. Just, just under a month. Yeah. And I think there's this weird thing, like you can also kind of tell that this is this moment where Tony Hawk sort of realizes that he's probably going to have to like die skateboarding if he wants <laughs> to maintain that level of intensity and engagement. You know, it's like just before like the real internet, ripe internet era, but it's like right on the cusp there. And he's, and he's like achieved this juggernaut status of fame that he just keeps rolling with wheels or no wheels, femur or no femur. It's very interesting that he has been able to, like he is such a benevolent paternal figure to us because Mm -hmm. we are pretty prone to finding flaws with our, with our founding uh, skaters these days. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying, Ted, the timing of Tony Hawk and this game is bananas. Yeah. Like that he landed the 900 that close to the game that it was at the X games, which is like the most televised, like, cause he was trying that for the end too. Yeah. Also the way mm-hmm. that, you know, he cares about skating to a detrimental level is that when he, you, you quote him, when he lands a 900, he says, this is the best day of my life. Swear to God, I'm pretty sure Riley's probably within earshot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, that's my favorite quote in the book. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And like, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad dad or whatever, but you're like, that is just like it, what he's feeling at that moment. You're like, God damn, dude, best day of your life. <laughs> like some fucking milestones before this, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty clear that that obsession is like for, for good and bad completely infected his entire life. Also, the timing of this game. And Tony Hawk. Actually, I don't like Tony Hawk or this game. He took his name off of Skate and Destroy. And oh, yeah. yeah, he's dead to us. And this game came out. I forgot that was thrashed. Did you say three days after <laughs> Skate and Destroy? Yeah. That's a, yeah. That is a death blow. Yeah. That's we're, we're, like, we're still reeling from that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I forgot. This interview is canceled. <laughs> but yeah, do you find this timing above coincidental? I do. Point hot truthers in the building. Let's take them down. Well, wasn't that, because speaking of things that could have that canceled Tony Hawk, didn't they try to do that with that Taz Papa's documentary, like claiming that well, he yeah. was supposed to land a 900 first and all this? So like, they're like, yes. yeah, Tony Hawk ripped off his trick. What do you think the chances are? I've watched a Toss Pappas documentary. 100%. Yeah, it should be high. Oh, actually, 100%. yeah, I'm sorry. I've misled you. There's a 0% chance I've, I've watched that. it. Oh, really? I mean, people were talking about yeah. it for a month. It's gnarly. Yeah. Let me guess. Squeaky clean? Just like? Yeah, no meth. Okay. Yeah, no meth. Everyone's alive at the end. Great. All right. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, the timing was ridiculous. Do you like, I mean, 
it's just a miracle, right? That's all there is. Yeah, I think it is just good fortune. I mean, they were able to rush and get the 900 into the game in time for release. It's like it's just all worked out quite well. And just to jump back a little bit, I think Tony has had his uh, <laughs> just what I said Lance Mountain moment, Lance Armstrong <laughs> moment, at least like with a competitive scandal, which is that that 900 shouldn't have counted. It was after time. Oh, yeah. Um, mm, true. Yeah. So that was, you know. Did they still give it to him? Yeah. Did he win? I don't realize it counted. I thought he just like yeah. it was like he just. But he they, counted they, in the games? I could be wrong. I think it did. Um, but they still oh, let him. If I was calling McKay, I would have killed him. I would have thrown him into the bay with Travis Pastrana. <laughs> <laughs> and if, I, if I'm wrong, don't let me know. I don't want to know. Um, well, it was a baker maker, so. <laughs> it was a baker maker. <laughs> <laughs> he put his hand on the ground. Yeah. That's something we don't talk about often enough. <laughs> <laughs> As skaters, we should. This is in our DNA. We should be talking shit. Big circle we of the red on YouTube. How could we let you this let happen? He didn't even. He didn't even make it up the other wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I know. No coping. And he stole it from Colin McKay. Then you know, I, I yes. appreciated you mentioning that Colin McKay had already thrown his board into the crowd in victory. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love when people do yeah. that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Did you guys watch it live? Because I remember watching it as a kid. Did you guys watch X Games? No, I found out about it from... I found out about the 900 through the video game. Oh. Yeah. So you guys had babysitters. I was left alone <laughs> at home and I watched a lot of TV. And I remember watching like X Games when they had the sport where you jump out of a plane on a snowboard. <laughs> yes. Sky and you twirl around. <laughs> yeah. What was it called? Sky surfing. <laughs> Sky surfing. Thank you, Cole, an expert in Why was it called sky field. snowboarding? Um, I don't know. Um, but I would watch all that stuff. And yeah, I distinctly remember watching it and not really knowing anything about skateboarding or whatever. But I just remember seeing that. That was super cool. Imagine being in- inspired by all of the X Games sports. You're like, oh, here's skating. I can like take it outside and like engage with my city and like build a community. Oh, I could rent a plane and put a parachute on and get my cousin's snowboard and like spin around like that person who had to get airlifted out of the hiking trail and just spun around until they passed out. Dude, Letitia was born in the wrong generation. There's still time. Sports where like the best people just have to have so much money. Like, I don't understand them. You're like, <laughs> wait, you got to get a plane to be able to do this? That's fake. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting to think of all those like potentials or like those other extreme activities like sky surfing and stuff and how even with rollerblading like skateboarding just ended up becoming so much more successful in part because of games like tony hawk's pro skater but also just because we had already sort of everything was already baked in we already had like music influence fashion influence like all the sort of like pop culture with subcultural appeal was already kind of embedded in skateboarding and it just sort of took one month in 1999 for for the rest of the world to figure it out you know <laughs> whereas like exactly like you know you, you skateboards are cheap and you can you can kind of buy an identity with with the purchase of a skateboard oh yeah do you think it's a, a good thing that the that the video games died cole like that they had a sort of i mean the new one i'm bracketing that off for 10 years they were essentially irrelevant and you know even there are fewer skaters there are fewer whatever like do you think that is it a bad thing that it had to die sort of embarrassingly so no i think it was a good thing it needed to happen it needed to be put down 
I think, after Underground 2, because the heart wasn't in it. They were just being, they had contracts they had to fulfill. There was money that wanted to be made. Um, I was a real passive voice on that one. (laughs) There were executives who wanted to make lots of money, and the games just deteriorated in quality towards the end of the, the life cycle of the original franchise Guitar Hero was popular, so they started making games with the little plastic skateboard that you stand on, and from my experience trying, it barely worked. So, not that there was ever, like, uh, heart and soul that really went into the first one, but there was at least more attention and care. But with iterative titles, that doesn't matter. It's just about shipping a product and making money. Um, And by that point, I think it was good for it to die, because then Skate could take up the mantle, which, you know... I think inspired a whole other generation of skateboarders and you know Tony Hawk's Pro Skater already made its impact and still continues to make its impact like the the nostalgia nostalgic powers of those first two games were so strong that its reboot sold like record number of copies so I think it did what it needed to do before it eventually died and came back was uh Tony Hawk's Underground 2 like how many years from the beginning when when was that released four 2004, I think. No, I don't know. They came out so fast. Yeah. Like, it was a fifth one. It was a, okay, so fifth year or six. It was a sixth one actually. Yeah, it was Tony Hawk Underground. Yeah, so sixth year. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. I, I that that uh, adheres to my theory that nothing stays cool for more than five years, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> just kind of back on just like a smaller point on why they kind of or what happened after they kind of went defunct like yeah this ea skate games i think there was like a there was a need for like a more realistic sim i guess i think what what must have happened is those those initial people who were psyched on tony hawk who uh were psyched on the game who made the game explode in sales i'm sure they're like the, the kids that we talked about before who started skating after tony hawk or started dressing like a skater and eventually they stopped you know and the game stopped being so cool and now the only ones playing it were actual skaters and or for the most part i'm sure maybe and maybe there was a one need at least i remember feeling like damn i wish i had a game where it felt realistic and then ea skate came at that right time and then that blew up in its own way and mm-hmm. I, I guess i'm saying like uh i guess real skaters kind of took over the fan base and maybe turned skate video games into skate sims nowadays because there's session and there's ea there's a, a skater xl which are even harder sims than ea skate true skate yeah so yeah and then there's the one with the bird where you go on a ollie roller coaster bird. track ollie bird yeah that's like <laughs> yeah. real skaters I even know that one. got our hooks in there damn not real <laughs> enough for that one <laughs> Cole, do you think that there's like ever, first of all, do you think that the Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game is the most culturally significant event to ever happen to skateboarding? And do you think anything like this could ever happen again? Yeah, I think it probably is. I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough to say if anything can have that sort of impact because of how far skateboarding has come since the advent of that game. But who knows? There was some wild timing that went went on to... For Tony to land a 900 and then the launch of the game, etc. So maybe it's just we need some stars aligning and then Hesa Liel will have her own really popular Snapchat filter that just takes over the globe or something. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I mean, do you think like skateboarding can blow up like that again? I mean, I feel like it hasn't blown up from the Olympics, like quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's, it definitely has its effects. It's definitely 
kids who are being coached into Olympic athletes, but it's not, it hasn't been a sizable explosion since Tony Hawk. And, you know, could there ever like be something like that? Like probably not in skateboarding. Like, yeah, right. because I'm like thinking about it. Like I'm not like a, I don't know, an expert in this, but it seems like pop cultural phenomenons go from like weird, small thing to like somewhat cool thing. And then there's like little moments along the way that kind of like help generate it. So like, I don't know. I've recently just listened to a Beyond Boards episode with, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Greg Hunt. Ted Barrow. <laughs> Thank you. Greg Hunt. <laughs> I listen huh. to Ted's and then I listen to Greg's, um, but I'm in the middle of it right now. And like he talked about like starting skating because um, he saw it in Back to the Future. And then like, I've also interviewed Burnett before and he said the same thing. So I'm just like, that was like one cultural moment in like the 80s, right? And then like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is going to be that moment for a lot of people. Probably EA Skate is going to be that moment for a lot of other people. One time at Skate Like a Girl, there was a year where like skateboarding was featured in the Hannah Montana show. And we had like <laughs> so. crazy numbers for like girls specific skate camp. So like, <laughs> I feel like there's little pop cultural moments that sort of happen. But to me in skateboarding, it's like it has, it reaches, reaches a certain point where then the progress or like it blowing up is just being more normal. Like skate parks are like almost like swimming pools now. Yeah. It's like every, you know, neighborhood almost, not even every city, but almost every neighborhood in a larger city will have one. Um, there's like skateboard programs in high schools, middle schools, elementary schools. Like it's so normalized. Like the only, the only growth that it can have really is just like, I think continuing to just become like a normal activity. And I think that's kind of true with almost every cultural thing it starts as like a weird thing and like there's all these different moments where it gets more and more normal and then it's like that's like the pinnacle but i don't think it'll ever like fully die but like now it's like it's kind of like got its spot you know yeah like, i don't yeah. think it's like yeah oh sorry to interrupt you oh no that was it i don't know how to end sentences so <laughs> that prospect scares the absolute hell out of me that it can't be discovered by another generation because it's always there no, yeah, like if it's like an ever present, like essentially becoming as quotidian as swimming. I don't know. There, There's something that whether it's Tony Hawk or that moment in the 90s that skating gave to me. And it was like, and I only need, I want skating to only be what it means to me. OK, uh, but it was like the last little bit of that lie that they told us, which was like, hey, you don't feel right when you go to the fucking swimming pool. You don't feel right when you like fucking play little league. Check this thing out. It's fucking weird. And it like is kind of it kind of hurts and whatever. And then it had all of this music to go into it and it had all of this. It had the clothes. It had the its own celebrities like everything was poised to it. It had its own TV like fucking this is like the stuff of identity. This is the stuff of selfhood. This is the stuff of like recognizing as you're becoming a person where your personness is and all of these more like common things, like whether it's riding a bike to go somewhere for travel or if it's swimming on the weekend because like you have a, a pool down the street or a public pool, that's just like recreation. You know what I mean? And skating <laughs> to me is like, I just, I, it is literally the whole thing thing that I'm here to do. But like, I'm just talking about like how people get into it or find it or if they're considered like a freak or not. To me, I still yeah. think it'll never go away. Like the cool culture, the like music, like all the things yeah. that are niche and rad about skateboarding. I think that's what's so special is like it, that part 
is never going to go away. Like that will always exist in my opinion, because to continue to skate, to like break a bone and keep doing it, to keep doing this shit in your thirties and forties and fifties, like that is not like normal behavior. So people that (laughs) become (laughs) skateboarders will still always be freaks. Like even though it's so much more normal and it's so much more like ubiquitous, it's so much more, you know, profitable or like, it's like so much more of like a stakehold and like, yeah, it's just so much just like embedded in our communities. It's like, I still don't yeah. think that will ever go away. Maybe I'm wrong. I fucking hope not. No, I, I, I want to, I agree with you, Kristen. Like, I think skateboarding is a way to find yourself to be the weirdo that you truly are, you know? And it's one of the few <laughs> cultures that actually sort of allows, if you get in the right group, you know, if you're finding your people, like it allows you to be that weird, unique, deeply flawed person, not a team sport, not uniforms, blah, 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 like as we define them. And I, and I also think it's just, I mean, what I sort of realized when I was reading your book, Cole, and I talked about this early, a little earlier, it was just that like, I was like, and Alex, you agree? Like I wanted mainstream approval. I didn't like being like, you know, no one wants at 12, no one is confident enough to be like the outcast at school. You know, I wanted the jocks to like me, you know, like I didn't want to get beaten yeah. up. And, and I <laughs> like, you know, I only knew how to d- dress like a skater and I knew that it was like shitty, but I was like hoping that someone might think it was cool. You know, I think the, the most dangerous thing is to romanticize like the outsiderness of, of, of the culture of skateboarding. Cause it's like, we, we all made this decision to fit in to be skateboarders. And I think what the game did really well was give as accurate a representation of what skateboarding is that a video game could do at that time. And, and I think what your, your book is really sort of this book about self-discovery and finding yourself again. I love that part. I was trying to highlight it. Um, and I haven't found it and maybe we could cut this out, but like just where you're talking about getting back to playing it in 2020, trying to figure shit out, you know, like it, like the world, like being during the pandemic and just kind of having this, you could describe it as regressive, but it's also a, a moment of getting back in touch with like that spark of what made you love skateboarding and interested in skateboarding and get to learn who you were and find your place in the world. I thought that was beautiful. I don't think I've ever would ever have expected anyone, any book about video games and youth culture to have such a poignant like statement of like what it is that we're we're looking for when we're skating without stating it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I I think just to jump back a little bit, um, I think skateboarding has reached a place now where it can, as you're saying, Christian, could only ever be more normalized. Because I think even in my own experience, I think the Olympics, I think it's kind of hard to tell what sort of effect that's going to have yet. But just in my own projects, like even pitching this book, I don't know if this book would have been picked up maybe pre-Olympics, because part of the hook when I pitched the book was that the game normalized skateboarding enough to a place where enough people were doing it, where had enough mainstream acceptance that it became an Olympic sport. Um, I've pitched articles where it's like maybe a little outside of the box skateboard related. And then I just like slip in something about skateboarding being an Olympic sport. And people are like, oh, yeah, it is an Olympic sport. Oh. <laughs> Dude, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think... It'll only ever get more normalized. And I think a lot of people will get into skateboarding because of stuff like the Olympics. I don't know what else is bigger than that. But yeah, but again, skateboarding is, it is whatever you make it. You can be a freak. You can make it whatever you want it to be. And that is uh scene. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Um, 
is there anything that we missed? The, any joys making the book? Any uh, any any substance? Um, that- I got a question though. It's a dumb question, Cole. Um, you used. Uh, I just have it pulled up here. I just remember I wrote a note next to it. Uh, you used a picture of that meme with the dominoes yeah. where one gets really big. Mm-hmm. One small gets really big. One's the Tony Hawk Pro Skater. The other one's the Skateboarding Olympics. With putting a meme in a book, does is there any copyright uh, things you have to worry about? Do you have to t- find who made that picture? Is that a thing at all? Oh, I found him. And I emailed him and I asked him and he said, that is totally fine. <laughs> That's amazing. That's sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's actually, he's actually a professor emeritus at the University of Toronto. Um, and I've thought about doing some sort of story about him and just how life is being this meme where people will put you in a book about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or uh, put the most vile uh, <laughs> whatever point making uh right next to your person there's always some apocalyptic output yes yeah um but he's very nice guy um he just said yeah just attribute me and you can do do whatever you want what's his name steven um nice guy though he makes art where he like traces the slow like fragmentation and destruction of i think of icicles or stalagmites or something um it's really fascinating um Stephen Morris. Well, I would like to close this out with asking, you watched that fucking documentary. That was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. The fucking video game documentary. I could not make it through. I made it 15 minutes in. And it was viscerally sick. I hadn't eaten all day. That could have been part of it. I was you. You pulled a lot out of it, but should we be done telling the fucking Bones Brigade 80s, the shit popped off, the floor dropped out, then we had this wild street skating for not like, should we be done with that? I think we just need different people to tell those stories. It's just self-mythologizing over and over again. Um, and yeah, I was on uh, your rival podcast and I kind of slagged that documentary off a little bit and I felt bad so I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one who feels that way but yeah I don't know it's just there was a lot of interesting information in there to be sure but it's just uh just a lot of smoke being blown up asses yeah so thank you for not making a book that was in the press marketing materials like that documentary would come out in so you actually did something with your humanity heart actual investment and investigation so it's it's like it's really sick and it's like quite a inviting read like it just keeps it keeps you in and and you just work through it uh fairly easily it's it's a really good thing yeah congratulations i was gonna add i haven't read a book in like years (laughs) it's like the first book i read in so long and uh then after reading your book i finally finished kyle's book and then now i'm reading walker ryan's book so let me know if you guys want to Make a book club because I'm a reader now. Wow. <laughs> oh, awesome. Kristen, nothing in moderation, huh? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely nothing in moderation. <laughs> I also just, I mean, I want to congratulate you because I'm, I enjoyed reading it. I'm enjoying rereading it, and I'm also just your ECW Press, your publisher. Those pop classic series are amazing. You know, I read um, I read Gentleman of the Shade, My Own Private Idaho by, I guess, someone who helped you out editing your book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jen Sukfong Lee. She yeah, edited yeah. the book. She acquired the book. Yeah. She's amazing. She also has yeah. like a zillion other books that are great, too. That's cool. I'm going to I'm going to read 
everything that she she wrote. But yeah, this the Pop Classic series is really good as far as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, the Calvin and Hobbes one is really good. Yeah, I just want to second also what Ted said, uh, Ted asked about, you know, it not being, it actually being a, not just a press thing about Tony Hawk. You know, I, obviously it, it made it something about skateboarding itself more than uh, just the game, you know, and, and about, you know, growing up and being a skater and just uh, finding self. And I think that for me, when I first heard you ha- writing that book or when it was coming out, I was really excited because I already knew it was going to be like, like what it is like not something that's just to promote the game you know and i uh was excited because i thought that's i feel like that has been something that hasn't been covered a lot the influence of the tony hawk games in a meaningful way especially in, within skateboarding and i think this is probably the best piece of media i've seen about that subject specifically and i uh really appreciate you for writing it I really appreciate y'all reading it in the kind words. It really means a lot that it's resonating in that way. Yeah, I don't know. I just wrote it. I had no idea how people are going to react to it. So this is very heartening. So thank you all for the kind words and for having me on this goddamn show. This is great. Pardon my language. It is, uh, yeah, it is really an honor to be here. I Canadians the are the nicest people on planet Earth. This is <laughs> so literally nice. another example. I'm going to oh believe every, every curse word that... Uh, that, that Cole did. Just um, what Cole Cole cursing. When Cole says the F word, oh, no way is that making yeah. it in. Well, it's because he's Canadian, so uh, he's not allowed to curse. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we did it. Did we do it? I think we did it. I think we did yeah. it. So um, we, uh, wait, wait, wait. No. Last thing. Can you tell us how you got Tony Hawk to speak about your book, The Cameo Story? Yeah. Because uh, I'd reached out to Tony's management about interviewing for the book. They politely declined. He'd recently broken his femur. He had other things going on. Um, and then once the book was done, I reached out again about uh, if he just wanted to read the book, maybe blurb it, who knows? Didn't hear anything back. And then I believe it was my partner who suggested the idea of trying to get a cameo from him to just play at the book launch, which we had on Tuesday. And I sent him a cameo last week. I wasn't sure if he was going to get it uh, or even do it because I just said, hey, I wrote this book about your video game. If you just want to send a message to everyone in the audience at the book launch, that'd be great. Really appreciate it. If you want a copy, I'll send you one. And then he did, which is great. And we played at the book launch. Everyone enjoyed it. There was literal gasps in the audience when his face came on the screen. (laughs) Um, And in the video, he says... get me a copy. I haven't read it. What if it's bad? Um, <laughs> which is, which is pretty funny. And then I reached out to his management, I think it was yesterday. And I was like, Hey, uh, I wrote this book about Tony Oxford skater. You probably know about it. Tony said in this cameo that I ordered that he wants a copy. Can I mail him one? And they immediately responded. <laughs> now that you've gotten, <laughs> now that I've paid him hundreds of dollars. <laughs> So, hey, you know what? It's it's a good grift. I uh, I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an- another kudos to the marketing genius. <laughs> so you have, presumably, you have Tony Hawk's mailing address. Uh, I have a P.O. box for Tony Hawk's Industries. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, Tony Hawk's they gave, Industries. They gave him the, the address to the offices at the Ride Channel. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also the office of Birdhouse, which is also where the mini ramp is, which is also the Tony Hawk Foundation. That's correct. Uh, the Tony Hawk Foundation is actually um, centered at the Brooklyn Bank's Nine Stair. <laughs> it's uh, underneath it. <laughs> it's under, yeah. <laughs> they have relocated. <laughs> Should we give Cole a trick challenge? Oh, yeah. Oh. What are oh, you doing yeah. at the courts, Cole? 
What's okay, going down? I, uh, I don't know if this has been done yet, but I'm just going to make this one all about me because my friends and I are filming a video and it's, it's ender season <laughs> and I'm trying to get a trick. Well, I got two tricks, but there's one and you know, I'm training and I'm trying to get a kickflip pivot fakie on this one spot. And Ooh. I was thinking kickflip pivot fakie is that, is that never okay? Yeah, 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 no, that? That's, we, we, yeah, we've never even gotten close to that. And I love this one because the Cole's trick challenge will also be the pro trick challenge for Ryan because he always is <laughs> yes. like, I need a harder trick. Is irrefutably hard, harder for him than the Switch version. So, yes, we love it. Yeah. Well, Ryan's going to add like a kickflip out. Oh, God. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. I'm going to shuffle that in before I already said thank you, because I'm not going to thank you a third time. Thank you. I've got a cap. Thank I'm American. All right, Cole. <laughs> thank me. An excellent. <laughs> <laughs> an incredible feat. I have war and peace, crime and punishment, and right down circle on my top three of all time. You've done it. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. Hope you guys have well, a good man, night. You Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, you Cole. Hey, Thank you. Hell yeah. Thank Thanks, you again. Have a good weekend. Thank you again to everyone for listening. Our intro music is by the band Roar. The lovely credits music you hear under my voice by Dylan Brine. Our logo and graphic design is always by Michael Warfel. And this episode was mixed and edited by Adam Burns. Go skate. All right, that's it. Board? them right here I just had my keys one fucking second ago where'd they go I came in I sat down I texted Justin Marquis I said that we're going to Cambridge then I took my keys and I went to 
Check the mail. Yes. I got a card from Sean Doyle. Yes. And I took those keys. And I put them on the fucking counter, I swear to God. Okay, if they're not on the counter, then they are... Fuck. Did I leave them in Andy Yamazaki's car? No, because I was inside and I got the letter. So I had to have had the keys when I walked back inside. God fucking damn it. Alex Kissinger always tells me to put my keys in the same spot every day. But I don't want to do that because I'm worried that same spot, same angle is going to see where I put my fucking keys and they're going to know. And they're going to see somebody else that puts their keys in the same spot every day. And then look at me. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Well, that's it. Can't leave the fucking house. God damn it, dude. I can't leave the fucking house to go skate K-Bridge because I can't find my fucking keys. Great. All right, I'm just calling SAG. Just telling him we can't skate today. I can't skate because I can't find my fucking keys. Hey, uh, I'm not gonna make it. I don't know where my, I don't know where my keys are. I know where my board is. I know where my shoes are. I know where my bike is. I got no keys. Sorry, man. All right. Park fucking sucks anyways. Oh shit. Never mind.